Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Between the Lines. I want to let you know about my newest podcast. It's called Thoughts Through Time, and it can be found on your favorite podcast provider. In Thoughts Through Time, I take the wisdom and knowledge of great thinkers throughout all of history in order to better ourselves today and guide us to an even greater tomorrow. I hope you'll check out Thoughts Through Time and can always find it on my website at barrykibrick.com. While there, I hope you'll also think of becoming a patron so we can keep these podcasts coming to you. A few months back, I did a show without a guest when John Izzo had to postpone his trip to our taping. When John saw the episode about his book, The Five Thieves of Happiness, he thought that with recent events in his own life, together we could explore the subject on a personally unique level. I'm Barry Kibrick, and I believe John being here today will allow us to go deeper into the elusive realm of happiness. John, it is such a pleasure to have you here. I mean, we've been through a lot. Your, your, your absence made me do the show without you the first time ever. But I am so grateful that you've decided to come back. Thank you, my friend. Well, Barry, thanks, and great to be here again. I've always enjoyed being here. Well, what we're going to do, as I described out there, is, and, and this is something that's, well, you said it was okay to talk about. A few days ago, your mom passed away, and you really believed that that could be a perfect time to come back and discuss the work that you did in The Five Thieves of Happiness on a personal, deep level. And as someone in grief, that does not necessarily mean that you're obviously feeling happy now, but as I said in the first time, the happiness we talk about is much deeper and longer lasting and is ever present in you. Yeah, and, and you know, um, I think one of the things I talk about in the book is being able to uh, decouple happiness from the happenings of our lives. And, you know, in real time, these last couple of weeks, I've, I've had that tested in my own life, you know, to, you know, in a very short period of time, watch my mother from going from healthy to, you know, dying in just a couple of weeks. And so uh, I got to see, well, how, how do these things work when you're going through those kinds of experiences, which many of the, the viewers will have gone through things in their life that are like these. But right. And, and, and you say, grief, sadness. By the way, you lose a job. You're not supposed to be smiling and dancing. But let's go into that type of happiness. When I was explaining it, I was explaining it in the sense of almost a sense of purpose, a sense of mission, a sense of realizing your own value and worth as a human. Not that you have yeah. to be doing anything special. That's what truly and even why in our constitution we said pursue happiness, and even though you have a little bit of a different angle on that, which we'll discuss, but it's that type of happiness, fulfillment. Yeah, you know, um, uh, happiness is a funny word, you know, because it comes from the uh, old English word hap, as in happenstance, you know. Uh, so if you were lucky, you would be happy. 
But, you know, all the poetic and all the spiritual traditions talk about happiness as a kind of inner calm that one would have, even amidst all the storms of life. And if you even look at great teachers like the Buddha, you know, uh, it's easy to be happy, you know, when you're in the palace protected from the hard truths of life. But as a human being, you can't be hidden from the hard truths of loss and grief and aging and disappointment. These are a part of the human experience as much as these, you know, what we consider happy events. And so this is the real test of a human being and our ability to find that calm amidst the inevitable storms that happen in a human life. And, and, and that's as much a part of a human life, a good human life, as are these good things. And in fact, was that not the Buddha's quest himself? So even sheltered like that, he knew how difficult it still was. And, and you say the reason, and this is what I thought separated this from so many other books, is the reason, A, we must get out of our own way. It's our own, the thieves in your book are our own inner thoughts that block our experience of happiness. Yeah, you know, this idea that that we don't have to seek happiness as much as we have to get out of its way. And I often think about, you know, children are a great uh, teacher in that regard, right? Because I, I think of how easily a young child smiles back at the world. <laughs> uh, and we look at the rest of nature. You know, why do we love plants, for example? There's all this research that human beings are happier when there are green things around. Well, it's because I think we sense that that they have that inner calm. They just are. They're not in this incessant seeking, right? So this idea of somehow getting out of the way of happiness. Uh, and again, I found even in this last two weeks, as I was dealing with my mother dying, could I even in those moments find a way to, uh, you know, get out of the way of the things that would rob me of finding joy even in those experiences? The thing, though, that also caught my eye, and, and this is one of those that I did read into even further because I felt when you said it, it was so important. The things that rob us, the thieves, and we'll maybe get into some of them, I did discuss them before, but we'll, we're going, as we said, in a different direction, is that they're literally disguised as our friends because we're comfortable with having them in our lives for so long, that's what makes it tricky. It's almost as if we are comfortable with being robbed of our happiness. It's a hard concept, yeah. but isn't that what we're, we're getting at? Well, you know, uh, even something that isn't good for us can become our friend if it hangs around long enough, right? right? So we become, you know, even that crack in the mirror that we cursed when we first moved into the house can become kind of a part of the landscape that we hardly notice it after a while. It even kind of gives us a kind of comfort. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know one of the thieves you talked about when you were, did your solo performance, which was great, was, you know, the thief of control. And, and of course, control is sometimes our friend. 
uh, because there are so many things we accomplish in life because of our orderly minds and our ability to plan and have goals. But it's when we become attached to thinking we can control all the outcomes of our life, when we become attached to those outcomes being the source of our happiness rather than something we intend, but the source of happiness is, is actually internal. So this is why I think the thieves are so tricky because they do serve us. And it's almost like a strength that becomes a weakness. I think each of the thieves are almost like a, a human nature that when you allow it to dominate, it somehow robs your happiness, even though in small doses, it can help you. Well, see that, and that's where, and we, we started to, I was laughing as you were talking because we talked about this a little bit before about that control and me and my inability to give it up. And, and yet that is something that allows me to even do what I'm doing. You could, if you didn't have control, you, you couldn't do this. It's that fine balance though. When, when you, well, as you say, you, you, you can't, you can't be passive. So you can't confuse right. the acceptance with passivity, but yet it still is a difficult balance to know when am I going in that other direction? As you said, and as someone who's been around you for a long time, it is hard to make that distinction. It is, you know, so, and especially in our Western culture, we, we have difficulty with this idea that one could have uh, intention without tension, or one could have uh, hopes and aspirations without attachment. They're very different things, right? So I could intend this book to be a massive bestseller, right? And do everything I can to make that happen. But does that mean I have to be unhappy if only 5,000 people read it and it helps their life. No, that's a choice, right? I had the intention, you know, for my mother to live another 10 years. But what did it mean for both her and I to surrender to what was happening in these last weeks? And by the way, I have to say this because I'm um, not get probably a chance to say it again. You know, my mother, Irene, you know, uh, when I did my book, The Five Secrets You Must Discover Before You Die, one of the uh, wise elders that I interviewed told me, the last gift you give the world is how you die. And, and I never experienced that because no one that close to me had ever died. But I saw last week, you know, that with my mother, the last gift she gave me was the way that she surrendered even to death, surrendered even to the giving up of her life with grace and a sense of non-resistance in that moment. And it was such a beautiful thing to, to observe. And, and, and what does it mean in all the small disappointments of life to have intentions, but to still be able to surrender to what is happening in that moment? I could tell you as someone who lost his mom at an even earlier age, that what I think you'll find is that's not the last gift she gave you. I find that my mother's presence is way more now, and that's been over 20 years. Every day she's in my life. When she was alive, I'd call her once a week and never think about her. It's a very, that transition we go to from our spiritual body to our spirit, I'm beginning to find so amazing and so connected to happiness. Yeah, it's, it's really uh, very true. And, you know, many people now who have lost their parents tell me that their relationship with that parent has actually not only continued, but deepened and grown over the that, years. That, that right? is exactly yeah. 
that right. is exactly my case. Is, isn't that amazing? It, it is amazing, right? And 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 I think it's a a, a good example too of of another one of the thieves you talked about when you're on uh, talking about the book, which is the thief of conceit, which is ultimately about separation, right? And this idea that we have this idea that 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 we're separate from other people, separate from life itself, right? And I think when someone dies and we realize we can continue to have a conversation with them, it helps remind us that this separateness is an illusion, right? You know, life, death, you know, me, you, you know, nature, us, right? That there's a oneness to things that, and of course, quantum physics is now, you know, showing us that in fact, uh, this is true at the molecular level that what we think of as separation is not really exist in the physical world. So I, I think it's such a beautiful thing when you can, again, um, kind of surrender to it and experience it. But as you say, much of when we experience our unhappiness is it's not living up to the story that we have of our lives. That is still the hardest thing personally for me to deal with. By the way, as you know, and as I spoke to everyone before, all of these thieves live within me very well. They're very, very, I have a lot of friends that are thieves, what can I tell you, that rob me. But at the same time, overall, I have a pretty good grasp on this. You couldn't, you know, you, you have to, after all these years, do that. But still, that story that of expectations, I guess. No matter how much we talk about desire in your book versus expectation, I can't really separate them. Once I'm desirous, I'm expecting it. Yeah, that's yeah. the hard one for me, as we we talked about. And 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 again, the interesting thing is ex hoping for things, intending things, expecting things. It's not really where our disappointment comes in. It's when that day doesn't go as planned, that apology is not accepted the way we thought it would. Right where the thief comes in and says, uh, "Well, be unhappy now." instead of surrendering to what has now shown up. And of course, one of the interesting things about life is that often um, it's the detours that wind up being the greatest teachers for us. So our clinging so uh, carefully to this plan of our life or even our day can wind up robbing us. Even in the hospital with my mother, I had these moments I had how I would want to spend the day there and I would wind up getting interrupted by a conversation with another patient, you know, or something. And those wound up being some of the most rewarding times in the, when my mother was in the hospital was I could serve someone else or have a conversation with someone that opened up for me a new way of seeing the world. But if I had clung so carefully to how that day or that moment was supposed to go. And now just think about how many times we do that all of our lives. You know, I don't know if I actually said this in my conversation to myself when you weren't here, but one of the reasons that I'm even capable and able to do this show was due to a serious setback and disappointment that opened up the door. And, and that's the thing that if we all can just keep our eye on, and I, I was grateful at that time that I, I, it took a while though, I'm not saying it happens instantly. When you're, something happens and you're in that state of culture shock, but when you do, I think you use the, I'm, I'm gonna find it, John, you used it, and I wanna use the exact words you did because I just, ah, judgment versus curiosity. Mm -hmm. I did talk about that. When you can separate 
the judgment of that negative thing that's happening to you and then substitute curiosity. All right, what do I do now? How can, wow, that, that's the, that is the answer. Yeah. You know, one of this thing about happiness and happenings is really important. You know, one of the other thieves I talk about is the thief of consumption, but not in the traditional way of things, but just in the way you're talking about it, the sense that my happiness is connected to anything outside of myself versus a choice I might make in that moment to choose to be happy, to choose to be curious, right? Because the, the, in a way, um, this, this curiosity about what this moment might teach me is the way that we go away from judgment and into happiness. Oftentimes, I know I do this and I know this is the trappings of so many people. When, before they can oftentimes see the grace notes that is happening, there is first a spiraling effect of a downward spiral. It's as if, I know for my sake, it's always, shouldn't I know better? Oh yes, of course I know better. Then why am I so miserable? Oh, now I'm more angry at myself for being miserable that I, you know what I mean? How... In your best way, would you suggest you kick ourselves out of that spiral? Yeah. Well, two things. So the first thing is, whenever I have a thought, and that's where the spiral begins, I ask myself, I want to notice that. Is this a thief or a friend? It comes disguised as my friend. The second question is, if it's not my friend... Am I willing to stop it? You know, one of, you may have seen it. One of my favorite YouTube videos is a Bob Newhart episode called Stop It. People should, you know, when they're done watching the show, Google it. But a person comes to him for therapy and basically, you know, has a fear of being buried alive in a box. And the bottom line is he basically tells her, well, just stop it. And she says, what do you mean? Just stop it. He said, it's like, it's horrible to walk around being afraid of being buried alive in a box. And it's just hilarious. But this, uh, most of us forget we have the power to stop the spiral. And then we have to have at its ready something to replace it with. And that's why I believe we actually have to train our minds for happiness, just like we would train our muscles at the gym, which is in the beginning, I'm going to notice that spiral and I'm going to say, just stop it. This is not my friend. But what am I going to replace it with? And this is why I have to have another thought pattern to immediately replace it with. So in the case of control, it is I choose to surrender to whatever is happening in this moment, I know my happiness is not in the outcome I seek. And it sounds kind of silly, but what I've found is if you can notice something and stop it, you've got to have another thought pattern to replace it with. And so for each of the thieves, you need this mindset ready to go, stop, you're not my friend, but here's the alternative way of thinking. And just like reps at the gym, sooner or later, it's natural. You don't have to do it anymore because it just is who you are. Oh, and the gym's a great example because it took, it takes, a, and it takes a while. That's the other it takes thing. A while. See, that's the biggest thing I want to always leave my viewer with is that they need to feel comfortable even when they're set back. Because that's true. That's when you really can get into your core of happiness is, well, I read John's book. 
I'm following all the exercises, just like I'm going to the gym, I'm doing all the exercises, but no matter what, you can have a setback, you could have a plateau that you could reach, you can get injured, you could do these things. The thing I want everyone to know is everyone has those setbacks, and when you do, you, and I think this is where, if there is an, uh, an answer to happiness, is be grateful for everything else that's not the setback. Because gratefulness, as you in the book eloquently state as well, is truly one of the key essences yes. to being happy. Because there's always something mm -hmm. to be grateful for. Yeah, yeah, and the research supports that. But you know, I'm going to back to something you said, Barry, earlier in our conversation. You said, you know, most of the time, uh, you know, uh, the thieves are there. But you know, on the whole, I feel like I'm a pretty happy person, and that really came through in your one man kind of conversation about the book. And what I love about that is for the viewers to realize that happiness is like a portal. It's like a hole that opens up. And most of our lives, we're either on one side or the other side of that inner contentment that I'm talking about. And the goal of life, no one is, you know, the Dalai Lama has days, I'm sure he's pulling his hair out. We just don't get to see it, right? Yeah. It's important to remember, right? So the, the, the most peaceful and happy people spend most of their time on the other side of that portal. So when we talk about training the mind for happiness, we're never training ourselves so that we will always be in that state of inner calm. It's so that we can always move to the other side of the portal more quickly and be over there more often. So people ask me, are you totally happy? You've written all these great books on happiness. And the answer is no, not at every moment, but I'm on the other side of that portal a lot more than I used to be so that more that's becoming my residence instead of this. But Many of us quit before the portal is open that much because we saw it didn't work. Well, it takes a long time. I, one of the things I tell my, my viewers, I tell my family is that all I want to do is make the happiness this and the misery this instead of the other way. So that's what we're talking about, that portal like that. And I believe the answer you give for us to... This is kind of funny because I'm going to say for us to take control, even though we have to surrender, but it's that thing you called the knower. And I firmly believe in all of us that sitting right here, and we want to move him right here, is this knower. We really do know, which is what sometimes is so frustrating. Yes. We really do know what we need to do and do. Oh, we still can't seem to yeah. get there. But this there. is the great gift, this knower, right? It's almost like Jiminy Cricket. Remember, you sit on your shoulder in the Disney, old Disney cartoons, and, and you know the knower is there when it's sitting on your shoulder saying, now, Barry, there you are being Barry again today. You know, John, there you are being John again today. And there's a way in which, um, you know, uh, that listening to that knower, but without judgment, right? Because to me, as I said, you know, uh, you talked about earlier about judgment is the enemy of happiness, right? This need to even judge our happiness. And that's one of the things I talk about in the book is that I think this craze for happiness in our society is, is, is slightly dysfunctional. And here's why, because there are people out there watching us who are saying, now I'm even failing at happiness, right? And not only I feel like a failure in my life, I'm failing to be happy because everyone tells me you've got to be happy all the time. But in fact, Happiness is this portal. Happiness is a lifelong quest. 
and in fact, um, these these more things we see as negative, disappointment, sorrow, grief, are as much a part of a human life as these moments of smiling. And John, you know, you used one of my favorite words, quest. You didn't say journey because journey always has some sort of destination. Quest, you don't even know where it's all going to end up. But as long as you're on that quest, you're going to feel that you're breaking through those portals to happiness. Yeah, you know, in each one of us, even, uh, you know, as human beings, as individuals, we're always trying to take that quest a little further. I'll tell you a wonderful story, Barry. My grandmother was a very stoic woman, my mother's mother. She could never really tell people that she loved them. When she died, my mother found a little note in her purse. My mother had two sisters. And in that note, she said, my, which my mother found after my grandmother died, Irene, you always were my, Irene, you always were my favorite. And I always hurt me a little bit because I realized my grandmother couldn't in real time say that to my mother. You know, the beautiful thing, Barry, is my mother, you know, had a beautiful, beautiful goodbye with me in which she told me how important I was to her and all the feelings she had and what she wished for me. And I thought, isn't that great? She took the quest a little further than her mother was able to. And what I hope maybe in my lifetime is maybe I take the quest a little bit further. And, you know, those who believe in reincarnation, whether you believe in that literally or not, in each lifetime, a human being is taking that quest a little further, just like humanity is hopefully taking that quest a little further, you know. And so I thought it was such a beautiful thing for me to see how my mother had taken it further than my grandmother, which isn't a judgment of my grandmother. It's what a beautiful thing she was able to do that. Well, John, it is a beautiful thing that you experienced that with your mom. And I am so grateful that you shared it with us today. Thank you, my friend, so very much. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you for joining us. Now, before we leave, I'd like to leave you with these words from the five thieves of happiness. The temple of happiness for ourselves and our species is in our minds. We must allow the Noah to rise above the noise. Notice the thieves for who they are. Stop their unlimited reign and choose a new path. Not only can we do this, but collectively, we must do this. I'm Barry Kibrick. Between all the different thieves that can rob our happiness, know that you can always choose a new path and rise above the noise. Thank you so much, John. My pleasure, buddy. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Between the Lines. I want to let you know about my newest podcast. It's called Thoughts Through Time, and it can be found on your favorite podcast provider. In Thoughts Through Time, I take the wisdom and knowledge of great thinkers throughout all of history in order to better ourselves today and guide us to an even greater tomorrow. I hope you'll check out Thoughts Through Time and can always find it on my website at barrykibrick.com. While there, I hope you'll also think of becoming a patron so we can keep these podcasts coming to you.